Nation Live Studios, overlooking the beautiful city of downtown Rochester, New York, bringing you Steeler news, updates, stats, and scores. Check us out on the web and talk shoe radio at www.steelernationlive.net. And you, for the 2015-2016 season, kicking it with Jeff Reed, former Super Bowl champion of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here are your hosts of Steeler Nation Live, Big Tiz and Big O. Welcome to Steeler Nation Live, Big Tiz and Big O. You know what? 1982 was a, a special year for the Steelers. The Steelers, they had Franco Harris still in the backfield, and they had an assortment of other players in the backfield, such as Frank Pollard and Russell Davis, Greg Hawthorne. But you know what? The Steelers were in search of maybe a, a younger player, that, that had that zest for the Steelers needed at that time, you know, in that season, the 1982 season. And the Steelers got it in that draft in 1982. They got a young player from out of Waco, Texas. And I'm telling you, this guy was a phenomenal player. Drafted in the 12th round, we welcome to Steeler Nation Live, Walter Abercrombie. How are you doing, brother? And welcome to Steeler Nation Live. Hey, guys. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's great to join you. Um, it's good to be talking to some Steeler fans again. It's been a long time being down here in Waco, Texas, that I get a chance to talk to Steeler fans. So uh, it's good to be back uh, in Steeler country, and it's great uh, that you have me on your show. Now, now, Walter, you were born and raised in Waco, Texas. You went to high school in Waco, Texas. You went to college in Waco, Texas. Can you tell the sports fans out, the Steeler fans out there, what was it like growing up in Texas? Because, you know, we're East Coast over here with snow and rain and slush. What was it like being in that environment pretty much all your life? Yeah, um, it was um, it, it was good. I mean, I I, um, I grew up, you know, you know, of course, I'm down here in Dallas Cowboy territory, so uh, my mom was a big Cowboy fan. Um, in fact, um uh, the day I got drafted by the Steelers, uh, she called me. She was in. She was at home in Colleen, Texas, where she lived, and she called me, and she said, "Look, uh, I know you just got drafted by the Steelers, but but was there any kind of way you can call Mr. Rooney and ask him if uh, if you can be a Dallas Cowboy?" <laughs> uh, that's a that's a true story. <laughs> and so, uh, but but you know, once uh, like I said, once. Once I got there and um, got to be, you know, buying to the Steelers organization and, and I got a chance to meet all the great people in Pittsburgh and, and my teammates, and she came up to be a part of that with me and she became a big Steelers fan as well. So, and that was a big, that was a tremendous transver- uh, uh, transition from my mom because, man, I didn't think she'd ever, she hated the Steelers, <laughs> but uh, uh, particularly in the 70s when they played in the Super Bowl, but now, growing up in Waco was good, man. I I, I grew up a warm weather uh, football player, and uh, I thought I was going to go to the Rams. Uh, at the time, uh, they were looking at me, um, and they were out in California. So I felt like it, there was a chance I was going to go to a West Coast team. But but when the Steelers drafted me, you know, and I knew all of the the history, and I knew I was going to a great team. I, I was I was thrilled to death, even though it was cold weather. Well, you know what, Walter. You, you, it seemed like you were one of those guys that put Baylor on the map. I know they say there's other players out there, but you were a phenomenal player while you're there at Baylor. And the fact is that you were selected in the 12th round. Do you feel for yourself, just for your own ego and old personal gain, do you feel that that was too low of a selection for you, or? Well, it's actually, um, it was actually the first round I was selected in. Uh, I was the 12th player taken in the first round. 
And so um, it, for, for me to go as a 12th player, um, you know, when when we had a bunch of bunch of talented running backs that came out that particular year in, two, in 1982, you got to remember we we had a Heisman Trophy winner uh, named Marcus Allen. I think he may have been the 11th player. He was taking one pick right before me, uh, Marcus Allen, and then they had a low running back. That was they call that the year of the running back because uh, uh, Darren Nelson, who was the great low running back from from uh, Stanford. Uh, Darren was taken uh, in the first round that year. Also, Gerald Riggs, the great running back out of uh, out of Georgia, uh, was taken by the Atlanta <clears throat> Falcons. And so there were some running backs, man. Butch Woolfolk, I don't know if y'all remember him. Oh, yeah. He went yep. from Michigan, went on to uh, the New York Giants and played. So there, there were all these great running backs that were taken in the first round of the 1982 NFL draft. And I was number 12, and I think I may have been the second or the third running back taken in the first round that, that, that year. Now, let's, let's go back a couple years to your, your stats in Baylor. Now, the leading, all-time leading rusher from Baylor. Now, for folks out there, you don't know, you're not Googling or you're not checking out the stats, we'll give it to you right now. Rushing attempts, 732, give or take a carry, almost 4,000 yards, your career 100-yard rushing games, 19 of those. Your average rush per game was 94 yards a game. Now, that's in that conference, that's, that's huge. I mean, you don't see that often. And like Big Tiz says, you, you put Baylor's name on the map. Well, we had, we had a, a great offense, and uh, I was playing in the backfield with another very talented running back who went on to play for 11 or 12 years in, in the NFL himself. Uh, and that was Dennis Gentry, and Dennis was a tremendous blocker. Um, a lot of people thought he, you know, he just returned punts and stuff, but the guy was a heck of a blocker, and he was responsible for a lot of those runs that I made at Baylor, and and, and for me to pile up the yards that I was able to pile up. A great offensive line, and th- but then <clears throat> I, I was fortunate enough to be a part of an offense that ran the veer. So unlike the Baylor offense now, which throws it about every other down. Um, you know, we were running that ball, man, and so I got a lot of opportunities, very fortunate to uh, have come through that system to benefit the running game. Now, you were, you were a young kid coming out of college, and now you're thrust into the NFL, you know, be- beautiful draft selection, like you said, first round, 12th pick, and the fact is, now you're coming to Pittsburgh, and you're coming up to the snow and the, and the glory of the Steelers, but the fact is, you're playing for Chuck Noll. How was it playing in Three Rivers under Chuck Noll, and and most importantly, you had a mentor ahead of you, Franco Harris, to top it off. Wow! Yeah, it, it was uh, it was really surreal, man. I mean, when I got there, I, I just I was humbled because you know at the time, you know, still on the football team when I got there was Bradshaw, was Franco Harris, was Lance Swan, uh, uh, John Stallworth. I mean, on defense, you know, they were. Was Lamb, you know Mel Blunt, Donnie Shell, all these guys. Of course, I forgot about Webby. You know Mike Webster on the offensive line, but but all these guys were going to be future Hall of Famers, and I got a chance to 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 play my first couple of years with those guys, and see really the qualities that they brought to the game, uh, the way they approached the game, uh, the focus that they put into it, and the, and the de- dedication. Unbelievable! It became clear to me why they were so successful because not only were those men 
uh, champions uh, on the field. Uh, what I noticed almost immediately was they were also champions off the field. And I think there is a correlation uh, there, and I think that played a factor in why they were so good. Now, now, uh, Walter, you're in 1982, your first year with the Steelers, we'll, we'll continue with that, um, was cut short because of the strike. Now, do you, right. do you think that the strike had anything to do with um, your number of carries, your yards, or do you think it was a, a combination of that and plus a loaded backfield with Franco Harris, Pollard, and, and all the other running backs? Yeah, uh, in 1982, the reason I, I, I mean, a lot of people don't realize this, but I, but I hurt my knee in, in 1982. Uh, it was almost the second or third game. It was a preseason game. I, I mean, I, right on the sideline, we, uh, we were playing the New England Patriots. I tried to turn up, turn up field, and my knee popped out. And so I was out. I was going to have to miss several. It was not torn ligaments, but it was, uh, it was stretched ligaments. So I was going to have to miss a number of uh, a number of games anyway. And then fortunately, for me, you know, for me, I guess in terms of my recovery, they had an NFL strike. So uh, we didn't really play any games that year. And then uh, by the time the strike was over, we came back. I think we missed come uh, back the ninth game of the season or something like that. Uh, I had to uh, slowly come back to because I was recovering from an injury. But uh, that was uh, a very difficult year for me because it was my first year in the league, get hurt my first year, and then have a strike. You know, all this controversy about, you know, the collective bargaining agreement and and uh, all these people making so much money. So it was uh, it was really sort of a uh, a cloud over the 1982 season, but uh, thankfully I was able to come back and, and play the very next year. I equate you to almost like a, a, a young Le'Veon Bell. And the only reason I say that is because Le'Veon came in at a time when the Steelers were going through a, so much of a transition and almost to the effect of what happened to you. You came into Pittsburgh when they were going through a transition, you know, uh, Joe Green just retired not too long ago. L.C. Green, everybody else retired. You know, Franco Harris right. was still there, but he was kind of still hanging on. And, right. you know, you came through that transition period. And, you know, any, people out there listening, let, let me listen. Let me tell you the the quarterbacks oh, that, <laughs> that were in front of him that he basically <laughs> had to deal with. And I'm not downing any of these guys. They're Steelers for uh, you know, love of life. But the fact is... You know, you have the you had Mark Malone you had to deal with. You had David Woodley. You also had a little bit of Bubby Brister oh out boy. there as well. And you know, not that you know Le'Veon. He doesn't. He's he's not dealing with that magnitude of a you know type of a quarterback. He has you know the great Ben Roethlisberger ahead of him. And you had to deal with so much more. And coming as a as a young player, how how did you how did you adjust to all of this? <clears throat> well. That, you guys have done your homework because you, you you're exactly right. It was um, <clears throat> it was pretty pretty challenging. We we really couldn't after you know after Bradshaw left, um, we had Cliff Stout for one for one season or so, and then Cliff was a pretty good backup, but he left to go to the CFL. I mean to the um, um, uh, the uh, oh gosh the other league that formed around oh, that the time USFL USFL, and so that left us with Malone and and uh, with <clears throat> with um, Scott Campbell, I don't know if you remember that name. Oh yeah, <clears throat> and, and Scott Campbell was was probably not you know a guy they were going to lean on, and so they went out and traded for for uh, David Woodley, and David came in and kind of 
you know, competed for the starting position along with Malone and Campbell, and we just couldn't get it done. I mean, we got close in 1984 or 80, yeah, 1985, <clears throat> but but just didn't have uh, have all the tools we needed to to take it all the way to the Super Bowl, and. Um, a part of that, I think, was uh, was the fact that we couldn't find that stability at the quarterback position. We still had the great wide receivers. You know, uh, Stallworth hung on for another for those seasons. I think I think uh, Swan left, but we brought in Wayne Capers. We brought in uh, Wayne Garrity. Um, we brought in um, Lewis Lips, who was able to be uh, pretty effective on the field. And then we had Frank Pollard in the back backfield. So. We still had a pretty solid offensive line, but the quarterback position did create a great deal of instability. Instability. Yeah, you need leadership, and not that you have to be an essential great passer or a great hander offer, but you have that. You have to have that guy. You have to have that guy in the in the huddle to to get the guys right. straight. And if you don't have somebody like that, hey, I forgot one more guy. Uh, Steve Bono was on on the team as well, so you. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, like I said, I, I that's why we here at Still Nation Live we believe that you were that phenomenal back, and it was just that that transition period where you came in, but you, you definitely had the the talent as well. And as you as you alluded to earlier, the fact is that you you guys made it all the way to the uh, the AFC Championship game versus Miami, and that had to be a rough loss for you guys because. Nobody kind of really picked you guys because you were going through such, so much of a transition, but you guys made it to the AFC Championship versus Miami only to lose that game. But yeah. the fact is, you guys put it all out there, and you guys were there. Nobody expected you to be there. Well, nobody expected us to be there. We, we played two solid games. Uh, we played that, that season leading into to the Miami game. There, were, there was a, a game against, uh, against the, um, the final home game, I believe, in, in uh, Pittsburgh uh, against the Raiders. I'm sorry, not 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 in Pittsburgh, it was in Los Angeles. We played the Raiders and we beat them pretty handedly, which pushed us to, um, uh, pushed us to, um, uh, the game against Denver that, um, that every, nobody gave us a chance to win. And, and we went up there and we, we ran the ball extremely effectively that game. Frank Pollard and I, I think we both had, uh, over a hundred yards or close to it. Right. And, and we controlled the ball, kept it out of, uh, out of the hand of the great quarterback they had there, Elway, and because um, he was just lighting, you know, he was lighting it up that season, and everybody thought they were they were a shoe into the Super Bowl. Well, we beat them, and then we go to play uh, Dan Marino uh, the very next uh, week, and so, and y'all know, <laughs> you know, he, he was a kid, a kid that grew up. I think he was around that area, went to Pitt, and and you know his ability, but man, they. They just set the whole world on fire, and that's the that's one of the things uh, which speaks to your point. Uh, the team that had the great quarterbacks were the, were the teams that were the most successful, and and uh, Marino that day uh, had a banner day. I mean, he had a banner day. I mean, he just lit it up, and so got close, but uh, we just, uh, you know, when you're an NFL player and and you get to that AFC Championship game. You don't realize how you're just one win away from the Super Bowl. You just you just a, the next game is the Super Bowl, and, um, and I really regret it uh, that we didn't we didn't make it because th- those opportunities come come along. You know, some some players play their whole careers and don't get that opportunity. Uh, we got that opportunity, came up short, 
but but uh, that'll be a memory I'll always share. Now, Cherish. Now, Walter, unfortunately, you finished out your uh, your career in Philly. Okay. Right. What, what was what was the final factor that said, "Hey, Walter, I think it's time to hang up the cleats." Yeah, that's a that's a very good question, man. I mean, um, I was uh, I was an older player on the team of young young studs. I mean, we had, gosh, Randall Cunningham, one of the great players to come along. Very young player at that time. I got there. Keith Byers from from Ohio State was in the backfield. Keith Jackson, the great tight end from Oklahoma. Uh, we had. <clears throat> Mike Quick was one of the only older guys on the team, but then we had uh, Chris uh, Chris Carter, who was a young player just coming to league, and so you know here I am playing with all these young su- future superstars, um, and I, you know I, I was I was my legs just wouldn't do what they did. I think Buddy brought me in. He told me when he brought me in that he was bringing me in for for really senior leadership on that team because they had so many young young great players and that's what i provided for a year and a half or two years i was there just um i played a backup role and um and uh just tried to to, to work with the younger players to make sure they you know, they didn't get too much trouble when they were out, out, out <laughs> on the streets at night you know <laughs> right. no. well i mean and, and and that's important to have a, a mentor or you know an older player who's been around in the league a little bit to to mentor those younger guys coming out and that's another added that you to add it to everything but but after your career was over i know a lot of people here on still a nation live a lot of fans out there want to know what is going on with walter today brother well thank you for asking that i am uh i've been in in college administration for gosh i mean since 1992 so it's it's been a, a number of years man i came out I uh, went back to school uh, when I first left the league and um, got a master's degree, and I got right into college administration. I started my career out <clears throat> working in academics and and working and uh, trying to encourage athletes to, to continue their schooling, to get their degrees and so forth. I did that at Baylor. And then um, I got an opportunity to work for the American Football Coaches Association, um, which was in Orlando, Florida, and moved to Waco. And my former coach, Grant Taft, became the executive director there, so he hired me on his staff, and I ran their uh, educational development program for for about 10 years. And then uh, the athletic director at Baylor, uh, the new guy, Ian McCall, had just been hired. And he called me up and he said, look, I, I want somebody to come and run our, our alumni organization at Baylor, our athlete, athletic alumni organization. And I went and talked to him and, and said, you know, it's time to make a change. So I left AFCA in 2004, and um, I've been here ever since 2004. So I am the Associate Athletic Director at Baylor, and I'm also the Executive Director of the B Association, which is our athletic alumni organization. Guys, see, that's what I mean. And, that, and that's what it is with the importance of education, as he has displayed it right here. You know what? After the game, he went back. And recognize that there was a lot more he had to offer. And Walter, I mean, you did that, and you took and you took yourself in a, another direction, and you kept going with it. And that's one of the things we want, you know, younger guys out here who are listening to this show to recognize that, you know, what the game the game is the game. But after the game is when the life starts. You know, Walter, what's your that's aspect right. on that? That's right. 
That's exactly right. I mean, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, the game is a short game. Um, you know, you think about it. You know, I retired at the age of 32. I mean, I, I, you know, my son is almost 32. I mean, man, he's, he's still a knucklehead, man. I mean, you know, but I'd already finished uh, finished one career, you know, and I'm still, you know, I was 32. So um, it, it dawned on me very quickly. Um that I needed to I needed to reinvent myself and so um I just I didn't waste a whole lot of time. You know, a lot of NFL players they get out of the league, they they spend two, three, four, five, six years, sometimes ten years before they decide to, to do something else with their lives and, and, and leave behind the game that they played so well. I, I I didn't waste any time. So I just jumped right in there. I took my knocks, you know, the first couple of jobs I applied to I didn't get because I didn't have any experience. I've been playing a game all my life, you know. Right. But I continued on, and, and um, I started building a career. I took low-paying jobs uh, right at the beginning just to, you know, get some experience. And and uh, next thing you know, man, I'm, you know, I started getting opportunities and just pre- performing in the in the field that I got into. I just started trying to perform and prove that I was more than just a football player to people. And, and, and that's a real challenge that players uh, sometimes face. They're identified as just football players, and so they can't shake it, and their whole identity is caught up in that. But I tried to change that, and thankfully I did use it to my advantage, though, but, but I realized all along that there was more to it, and that's what I tried to reach. And, and uh, I'm very fortunate, um, you know, here at Baylor, uh, people know me around here in this community, so um, I- I'm sure that that helped as well. Let, let's jump. Let's jump to the present now with the Steelers. The Steelers, 2015 Steelers. The Steelers right now yeah. they're stuck at four and four. Just lost the game to Cincinnati o- over the weekend. Huge loss yeah. to Le'Veon Bell, who we just discussed earlier. You know, but the fact is, what what is your thoughts about today's Steelers? The, you know, with the the run game now and return of Big Ben. Man, I mean, listen. You, you, <laughs> if you, that offense is a completely different offense without Ben in there, I mean, he he is such a leader and such a field general, uh, and he makes that that deal go. Uh, I was really sad to see uh, Bell get hurt. Uh, that was that was a real unfortunate injury because because uh, they're going to need uh, somebody in that position to help carry the load. I don't know who the, who the backup player is, but that, that's, a, that's a very unfortunate injury, particularly at this point in the season, because they gotta, they got to try to find a way to get over the hump. Um, and um, so uh, who is the backup player there now? D'Angelo Williams. And behind, okay. behind, behind, <laughs> behind him is another former Panther, is uh, Jordan Todman. Who is okay? So it looks like it's going to be uh, a, a Carolina Panthers backfield pretty soon. <laughs> okay, all right. <clears throat> well, they've got to have a good running running game, uh, and they have to have a they have to have a viable running game to make uh, the defenses respect uh, erect, make to help open up the passing game. And um, Ben is a much better quarterback when he's got a guy that he can hand that ball to. That has the, the there's a potential to take it all the way on any given play, and um, and that's uh, true with really just about any offense, but it's particularly true with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense because 
when teams can load up and, and stop the run, then they don't give the pass a whole lot of respect. Right. I, I totally agree. Now, this is, this is a question just just popped in my head, uh, Walter. Now, you, not, you want to compare uh, players you know, of old and new because there's different things, different technologies and whatnot. Now, you got this hillbilly quarterback, Terry Bradshaw. What, what, kind of, what kind of presence did he have in that huddle as compared to what you would see that Ben Roethlisberger has, uh, old and new? Well, I didn't play with Ben, so I'm, I'm, I can only just, just judging from his personality. And, I mean, he's, he's a guy who, um, who knows that offense like the back of his hand, and that's the way, um, that's the way Terry was when I got to Pittsburgh. I mean, it was, uh, you know, he had an unbelievable arm. He was a big guy, kind of a big quarterback. Tall, could move around in the pocket a little bit, and uh, and I, you know, there's there's a lot of comparisons between Terry Bradshaw and Big Ben. Now Terry, you know, he had to kind of he, he made it fun. Uh, you guys just don't don't understand. I mean, when you were in the huddle, uh, Terry would be cutting up, man, and he he would be talking crazy, you know, and he kept it light in that huddle, and and and, and you know, doing a serious professional football game you know if you have a veteran quarterback who can step in he knows what the heck he's doing and he can keep it light and just make some jokes and and uh keep everybody uh you know kind of loose and that's a real big quality i can see ben doing that i don't know if he does it but that's what terry was able to offer in addition to all the great skills he had on the field and the physical skills he had i mean he was he was one of the great quarterbacks who knew how to throw it hard. He knew how to take it off <clears throat> if he needed to throw a soft pass. And, uh, and, and just his, his ability to read defenses and make a play. He, he was one of the best I've ever seen. Beautiful. Thank you. It, you know what? We're, we're, we're getting close to the end of this interview, Walter, and we, we appreciate you very much. But I hope you're sitting down for this segment of our show we like to call The Blitz. Now, we're going to ask you random questions like we said earlier. Nothing, no TMZ stuff, no, nothing crazy, but questions that we're going to make you want to think about. But it's right off the top of your head. So, Tiz, take it away. All right, Walter. Let me ask you this. Question number one. What is the best advice that was ever given to you? The best advice that was ever given to me was from Chuck Knoll, uh, the head coach of Pittsburgh at the time I was there. Um, he, uh, I went in to him. Uh, I was getting blistered in the paper because uh, I wasn't getting the, uh, a lot of carries. And so I was having to split the number of carries with the other backfield mate, Frank, Frank Pollard. And I was, you know, a young player wanting to get more carries. So I went in and, and talked to him. You know, I said, look, Coach, I mean, what about the carries? I mean, I'm getting like, you know, eight, nine carries a game. You know, can I get some more carries? What he told me at the time was, Walt, you need to put aside your your pride and raise your expectations. I never will forget that, man. I mean, what that meant to me at the time, I, I kind of walked out of his office kind of wondering like, what, you know, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> you know, but through my life and through getting older, I've used that same quote uh, with my kids sometimes when they get ahead of themselves, you know. And so um, that was probably the best advice he, he, he ever gave me because it, it allowed me to take the focus off myself uh, and, and, and being self-centered and focus more on 
on making myself better to maybe deserve more carries and, and be in a position to, to, you know, to benefit just from hard work and, and, and bettering myself. So, wow. anyway. That's great. I, I hope uh, any running backs out there listening to the show are going to take this <laughs> to, to heart and understand that, you know, you're young, you're great, but you know what? You still have a few more years ahead of you to learn and, and put that pride That's aside. Right. Now, Walter, your favorite thing yeah. about Pittsburgh, the city of Pittsburgh. Well, this is going to surprise you guys, but uh, they used to have a hot dog place over in uh, over by Pitt Campus called the Big O. I don't know if they still have it or the <laughs> original. That, that's crazy because Pittsburgh has a lot of things to be great, uh, a lot of great things to to enjoy. But I just remember, you know, being able to go over at all times of the night, man, and get one of those original hot dogs, and it was it was so good. And I couldn't get that in Texas, you know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, no, nope. <laughs> but, uh, but now let me ask you a question. Is that still there? The original? You know what? That's a good question. I'll, I'm, I'll guarantee I'll research it and get back to you. I haven't heard of it because the big O you said, right? Yeah. It was like the original. I would, I would know because it would be named after me, but I will, I will check, I will <laughs> okay. check into that. Um, okay. All right. All right. Now I'm hungry now. <laughs> Thanks, Walter. You got my partner hungry. There you go. <laughs> but here's uh, another question for you, Walter. If you could change one thing in your past and have a do-over, what would it be? Oh wow, that's man, that's a that's a that's a good question. Okay, um, one thing. Um, I think what I would do is uh, pro- I'd probably just just you know <clears throat> when you play when you play a game and, you, and you're a high achiever, you know. You start thinking about well, what are the things I could have done differently to better myself, to 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 make myself a better player. Um, I think I think if I had a chance to do it all over again, I would I would try to be, uh, you know, I would I would try to work on my my game in every aspect of the game. I mean, passing. I mean, I mean, catching, running, blocking, getting the weight room a little bit more. I don't know. I'm thinking that I would work on trying to become a better athlete, work on trying to, to, to become a better person, and trying to just just love people probably more than I, I ever loved people before. Um, what I found, uh, and this is hindsight, what I found that my greatest, my greatest opponent, and I hope you all remember this, my greatest opponent that I ever faced was that guy that I look at in the mirror every day? I mean that in all aspects of my life. That was my Amen. biggest I, opponent. Amen. Now you guys listen to you younger guys. I'm an older guy, and I'm telling you, I like yeah, you that. are That's old. powerful. I'm gonna tell my son that tonight, especially because you know what? Sometimes in life, and you guys gotta recognize that is that the only person that's holding you back from doing what you need to do is you. And I love that, Walter. That that's that's a good one. We gotta yeah, keep that yeah, one. Yeah, I like that one. So uh, we'll continue, Walter. That, that's beautiful. But, hey, Hollywood comes to, to Walter's house down in Waco, Texas, knocks on the door says, Hey, Walter, we want to do a movie about you, your life, college, pro. What actor would play you? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, man, y'all got me because, you, you know, oh, wow. I don't, now, we talked to some other Steelers one. already now. Denzel yeah. is already taken, so, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think Robert yeah, De Niro's yeah. out there still. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, 
I don't know, man. I I have to see. Everybody wants to be Denzel. Everybody wants Denzel to play them in their lives, and and so I would say, um, gosh, you know, Will Smith. I guess there you go. He's a good looking guy. You know, he's a, he's he can he can handle that role too. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah he's wearing a number thirty four again. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Nice. All right, Walter. Here's here's the last question. Now, if you were stuck in a foxhole. You know, bullets flying overhead, bombs, everybody, they're shooting things at you, this and that. Who's that one person that you would like to have in that foxhole with you battling through this raging, this raging battle? No question about it. Uh, Frank Pollard. And he was my backfield mate in Pittsburgh. Um, Frank was a blue-collar running back. And, man, he, every day this brother showed up to work. I mean, he went to work every single day. And Frank was not a, gl- a glamour back, you know. He wasn't a guy who was going to, you know, get a whole lot of movie parts or, you know, be interviewed, you know, every time he comes off the field. But he was a cat that um, that you love to go to battle with because at the end of the day, he's going to put a knot on that guy who's lined up, on that guy's head who's lined up across from us. That guy is not going to want to face Frank. And I love being in the backfield of Frank because, man, he brought it. He brought it as a runner and he brought it as a as a blocker so it'd be frank pollard i love that look i love that i love that neck brace he wore that was awesome (laughs) yeah that wasn't the prettiest thing man but he went to work though there you go hey guys there you have it uh a player that puts it out there for you a guy who came in the league first round 12th pick for the steelers 1982 draft we have and we welcome again and thank you for being on our show tonight walter abercrombie Guy, you know what, Big O, this guy, yeah. you know, he he doesn't just have it on the field, as you can tell. Off he has field. it off the field. Off the field. The mental aspect and everything else, which carries you through life, just like he used to carry the football. Walter, we go. appreciate you, and thank you again for being on Steeler Nation Live. Hey, Tiz, Big O, I appreciate y'all, man. I, I, I'm, uh, this, was a, this was a great opportunity for me, and uh, just to sit down to visit with two great guys. Wish you the very best of luck with your radio program, and thank you for having me as a guest. We'll talk to you later. Just, just want to let you know, Walter, you're gone, but you're not forgotten, brother. Hey, All right, brother. brother. <laughs> thank you so much, man. You got it, man. All right, good Take night. Care. All right. Bye-bye.